0: Hello friends, your humble host is back with another special edition of Sounds Like Radio. Tonight it is a Gene Shepard edition of Sounds Like Radio as we travel back in time to April 27th, 1966, when Gene Shepard talks about a barbershop. Yep, the barbershop. That's the subject for tonight's Gene Shepard program from April 27th, 1966 right now on sounds like radio enjoy
1: deck. What is it? Yeah, that's right. The boy. No, it's all right, honey. Don't, don't start wandering out. You aren't going to find it. The boy stood on the burning deck, eating apples by the peck. She won't find it. She won't. It's all right. Bring it up. That's all right. She means well. Canada! 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 We are lost, the captain shouted as he staggered down the hatch. Hey, was there ever a poem like that? There really was? No. Oh. Come on, now. There never was a poem like that. I know there was a poem that started out, the boy stood on the burning deck eating apples by the peck. That I know. I, I learned that in third grade. But there never was, really. Was there a poem in which there was a line that said, we are lost, the captain shouted as he staggered down the hatch. That is the only line of poetry I ever heard my mother quote. Outside of man's work ends with the setting sun, but woman's work is never done. Edgar Guest. Nick Kenny. No, I think that was T.S. Eliot. I'm sorry. I better be a credit words it's due. But was there a poem that, uh, if there was such a poem, I'd love to read it some night. We are lost, the captain shouted as he staggered down the hatch. I can remember, I can remember when the wind was howling through the tangled clotheslines of that inverted bowl of eternal night, the Midwest. When the sound of the clothes prop poles could be heard creaking in the wind, when the garage doors would be slamming and old man Bruner would be climbing up the back stairs, first up three steps and then he'd slip down four on his knees for months. (sighs) Leaving a trail of Kentucky bourbon behind him. As he struggled, and then my mother would say, "Uh, We are lost, the captain shouted, as he staggered down the hatch. I wonder if many Bronx mamas talk like that. I don't think so. That is not Norman Mailer's mama. Yes, sir, that's my baby. Oh, you know, speaking of scary omens, I'll tell you, you never know when you're going to come afoul of them. Just tonight, for example, with absolute innocence, I wandered into this Chinese restaurant. I sat down there, I was going to have a little, you know, a little Chinese food and sat there at the table. You know how Chinese restaurants are? They're always just a little bit off in their decor. For some reason or other, they like red linoleum. And they, uh, yeah, they cover all the booths with that. They'll have this very jazz, and, and they always seem to have bought their chandeliers from the back pages of Sears Roebuck. Their summer clearance sale, you know, the big thing with the the fluorescent lights. And and I'm sitting in there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the wonton soup to arrive. And uh, it finally comes and the waiter bows a little bit. He puts this little plate of Chinese fortune cookies down there next to me. And he bows very politely. And, you know, everything was hotsy-totsy. Until I started to eat them crummy Chinese fortune cookies. Would you please bring me a little Chinese music there? Please, please. Oh, these are days of evil portent. There are signs in the wind everywhere. Every place you look. You just can't ignore it any longer. I remember the day when Chinese fortune cookies used to say great things like, uh, oh, a penny saved as a penny you know, stuff like that. Or, good fortune will always be with you. That kind of thing. Well, I open up my first cookie, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm... I had just a little touch of a martini left, you know, I sip a little martini and then I take the, a little of the tea and I bite off a little of the Chinese fortune cookie. And I opened up this, and this enigmatic remark comes right out of the cookie. A man convinced against his will is of same opinion, still. Remember. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Are you trying to tell me I'm a phony? Are you trying to say that I'm just laughing it up for the sales department? I sold out? What do you mean? A man convinced against his will is of same opinion, still. No chickening out. Try out loud. And so I took another slug of the martini and sipped at my steaming hot tea, and I opened up the next one, nibbling away at the fortune cookie. And oh, great Scott. Danger is next to security. What do you mean? I haven't felt secure in years. I must be safe then. Let's read that again. Danger is next to security. Ah. And the final line, the last fortune cookie. <laughs> You'll need more than dancing shows to be dancer? off How do they know? I've been faking dancing all my life. Ever since I was a little kid and I was first pushed out on the dance floor with Dawn Strickland, I've been faking it. All I know is that somewhere along the line, you say, one, two, three, four... One, two, three, four, left. One, two, three, four, right. Push. One, two, three, four. I've been faking this for years. How did they know? That takes more than dancing shoes to be a dancer. Oh. Hey, yeah, how many. Did you ever have. Did you ever. When you were a kid. Now, this. If you don't mind, I'm going to. This is a kid thing here. I just have to do it. That voice reminded me of that. When you were a kid, did you ever have a special voice that you used? You know uh, you know a special voice that uh, you you use around the house all the time when you were being funny when you were showing off or hulking it up or you know just generally uh making it big have hey, you ever, you ever a funny voice my my brother had a funny voice. we'd go he he'd go like this, he'd go do, 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 do. He was the first guy to do. Do you remember in Kuklafran uh, and Ollie, that rabbit? What was his name uh, Cecil B something like. Do, 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 do. He'd go out. My kid brother did that long before. Bird Tilstra, remember, went around. My mother used to get so bugged. He'd sit there. My mother would say, would you like some Campbell's soup for dinner? Do, She said, now, come on. I don't have time to fool around. Your father's going to be home in five minutes now. Do you want Campbell's soup? Do you want vegetable soup? Or do you want tomato soup? Do, do, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What but now I, my special voice I picked up from Warner Oland and Sidney Toller and also Peter Laurie who at that time was playing Mr. Moto. And I would go around the house say saying to him, Oh, so time to go to an all boy scout meeting. Time for a Club 41 to meet. Well I son of Star Cons have uh, having tonight special test for camp badges, suspect Fletchery. <laughs> that was my uh, my special uh, uh, who uh, all right, uh, uh, here was here a typical line now I remember, remember him saying, "Ah also uh, must beg your must oh honorably beg your uh, condolence for one moment, please." Our uh, number one son, will you please lock door. All people in this room, please be seated. Must beg your pardon. Someone in this room is Marawa. Uh, uh, number one son, will you please remove pistol from Mr. Aberneth as uh, beaded bag. Uh, uh, pardon me, uh, must not have pistol while telling who mother is. Now. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, well, listen, one of the great scenes. I remember the scene that scared me right out of my kid tennis shoes boy. I'll tell you, and that, and for that, for that, since that day, I've been a little bit scarred by it in, in a very subtle way. I remember the scene, see. Charlie Chan is seated at his desk at headquarters. And uh, Chan is sitting there, and uh, he's uh, looking very official. And he says, what? Oh, you say, good scott. Must get on the way immediately. Please, get one car on my way. And the next scene, we see we see this big industrialist. And he's a very official man, see. And he's sitting in his office. And he's looking very sort of worried. You can see there's something on his mind. And his secretary, Rochelle Hudson, is sitting over there on the other side of the room there. And she's got this big L.C. Smith typewriter and a couple of telephones. And, uh, you know, the roll top desk and everything. They're all sitting there. And she says to him, uh, uh, Mr. Abernathy, uh, I think I hear something out in the corridor. He says, no, what? And then suddenly you see, coming in under the crack, under the door, you see an envelope. There is no name on it. And Rochelle Hudson gets up and she says, oh, there's a message here. I wonder who left it. And you hear the sound of footsteps scurrying down, down the corridor. And this big industrialist opens the door. He looks out. He says, no, they're gone. Did you see anyone? Did you see anyone, Mrs. Smith? And she says, no, I didn't see anyone, but here's a message. And he sits down at his desk, and he's shaking. It's an empty envelope. He rips open the envelope, and then what falls out of the envelope? onto the desk, but the Ace of Spades. Oh, no, no. Oh, gosh. Oh. Well, of course, you knew the minute that the Ace of Spades fell out of that envelope. He was a goner. Whenever you get the ace of spades, that means you're dead. And I'm a kid sitting there seeing the ace of spades, It it never occurred to me, you know, ace of spades, I didn't know anything about that. All I knew was the ace of spades was a high card when you played Pinochle. The ace of spades. And Rachel Hudson gets white, and she staggers up against the potted ferns. She says, oh, no, no, please, let us call in Charlie Chan. And sure enough, within five minutes, he is found in the men's room with a shiv between his shoulder blades. And Charlie Chen arrives and says, Oh, so, oh, so, Miss Smith, you say you are secretary. How long you work for Mr. Abernathy? Ah, so, we must check on facts. You say Ace of Spades was delivered? Why you not call immediately? You know Ace of Spades means instant death to anyone who receives it. That ever since that time, see, when I'm playing Old Maid with Bruner and Flick, and I get the Ace of oh, no, yeah, I was always scared of the Ace of <laughs> that's why I never played Fantan, you know, sure. And uh, that that I picked up that voice from that time on. I that I, I practiced my Charlie Chan voice, and it never got me anywhere. I'll be perfectly frank with you. I, I, uh uh, it was the only reason why I liked the Fred Allen show. Do, do any of you remember the name of Fred Allen's detective? You think you know, all these trivial people, these guys who think they know anything about trivia, they're really kids. That's greasy kid stuff. Now, what was the name of, of, uh, of uh, his detective? Come on. And he talked something like my detective. He would always walk along and say, Oh, Saul. So, come, you looking close we'll pause now for a commercial <laughs> in the middle of his case All right now uh what was the name of his detective fred Ellis detective there was a whole series of phony chinese working the boondocks in those days warner Olin was about as chinese as my grandmother yeah and, well Sidney toller wasn't very oriental either he looked like my uncle tom that uh and, uh, of course, uh, uh, Fred Allen did a pretty good Chinese. And there was a guy on the air who also had a... Ch- there was a little five-minute show in which a guy played a manservant. This is on a radio show. He played a manservant, and his name was Hata Waranabi. Yeah, did you ever hear of that? And he had a car. And I remember only one line from the whole show. I was just a little kid, and I remember this line very good. He said, "Uh." He said, my car has four cylinders. Very proud of each cylinder, sir. Very good cylinders. <laughs> and and uh, I thought, yeah, great. And, and nobody does any, any uh, Chinese comics type anymore. Come on, is there anybody out there who remembers Fred Allen? I will not go on. Until so- oh, no, no. Am I the only American in this crowd? What is it? I'm serious. Why is, is my mind literally a wastebasket, a garbage bucket, a city dump of uh, total impedimentia? That stuff isn't even trivia that I remember. It's impedimentia. It's crud. It's no good. I mean, I couldn't win any contest in the trivia because I remember the real trivia. You know, everybody else remembers the name of Reggie's buddy or Doc's friend, or the, the Troubadours. Am I the only... <laughs> <laughs> Tasty yeast is dandy for the appetite. Tasty yeast is handy. Eat it day or night. Wholesome, crisp, and delicious. Vitamins galore. Here it comes. All right. Speaking of pony Chinese, this is W-O-O-R. I'll that again. am on the farm in New York. Please hit button, will you? Number one. Miller Highlight, the champagne of bottled beer. There's only one champagne of bottled beer. Sparkling, flavorful, distinctive. Miller Highlight. Miller So, overnight, many Chinese drink Miller High Life there. Have good time. Have real whoopee time. They must be making something good. Unchanging. Available on tap, in cans, and in (laughs) crystal clear bottles. Miller High Life is always sparkling. Flavor boy. Distinctive. Never underestimate the slowness of the audience. Miller highlight. Miller highlight. The champagne of bottled beer. Oh, so very good. Very good. (laughs) All Chinese folk song. Now, do you have have that guy in there? He knows. You remember, him? Well, while we're... It's funny, there isn't a single one who remembers poor old Fred Allen's great detective, who was the greatest character on his show. Let me see, we got a couple of commercials here. Walmart. Hey, listen, Saturday, I have bad news for all of you people out in the island. Saturday at 1 o'clock on the Miracle Mile, we will be, meaning me, that's the editorial, uh, I will be at the Woolworth store at 1 o'clock for a very terrible, nefarious thing. Shepard's decided to sell out. I'm getting a tuxedo. <laughs> and then I'm going to really make it thing. I know a lot of people I'd like to pinch, you know, and sneak up on them. They wear beaded dresses, and you can't get close to people in beaded dresses, you know, with sequin bras and all that, unless you're wearing a tuxedo. I'm going to use it for my own nefarious purposes, you know, kind of a low-grade Fred Astaire. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I am going to get publicly fitted, which is another way of saying publicly humiliated, at the Woolworths store. At one o'clock on Saturday, this Saturday of the Miracle Mile, and if any of you kid types want to come out there and cheer and yell and boo and hiss as they uh, as they run the tape measure around, and that gets embarrassing sometimes. you know talk about that. That's terrible. I wonder. I wonder if they do that to chicks now when they're fitting with slacks and all. I don't know. Just a thought there. Well, don't look at me like that. I'm just thinking. You know, the mind runs; you can't help it. That's uh, that's Saturday. I'll be out there at the Woolworth Store at the one o'clock, and we'll get. I, I'm I am hoping to get a dark burnt orange cummerbund. I think that would be kind of nice. Watered silk. It's very good. With one of those uh, with one of those maroon carnations. You know, you stick in your lapel that when you get caught in the rain, it makes a big red stripe down your kneecap. That kind of thing. Oh, yes, it's the highlight. So it's going to be uh, at the Miracle Mile. What, what the heck is the Miracle Mile? Huh? I don't know many miracles. I don't know many miracles happening in Long Island, especially. Let's see, we've got the uh, Rover here. The Rover 2000 TC. Not enough of some car. <laughs> it is. That's right? a Va, Va Sahib. It's a very Puka car. Is it pronounced Puka? Puka. Uh, it's a very Puka car. Also very good. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's the TC and it goes like a bomb. But uh, for those of you who are interested in safety these days, and plenty of people seem to be, the, uh, the Rover 2000 TC recently was tested by car and driver and it went from 80 to 0 in 4 seconds. And if you don't think that isn't fast, I'll tell you, you better be strapped in when you're doing that. Or else you're going to land at the Howard Johnson four blocks ahead while your car is still back at the interchange. So uh, I suggest that you find out about the Rover 2000 before you pop for any load of junk. That's the Rover 2000. Send your card here to Rover and we'll send you pictures. Let's see. Yeah, speaking of pictures, we've got Honda with us. Hey, I'm getting my new Honda 305 Super Hawk. Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow afternoon, I've uh, had it on order now for about two weeks or so. And uh, for the motorcycle aficionados, you know exactly what kind of bomb I'm going to be propelling around this, this uh, county. Uh, I've, I've ridden motorcycles myself for about five years now. And uh, the Superhawk is uh, a step up for me. Uh, This is a a hairy machine, and if you have never seen the Hondas, I would suggest you get out the Fleischman. By the way, Fleischman Honda is the biggest Honda dealer in the entire area. No matter where you buy your Fleischman Honda, and, and any one of their four stores, you can use any service department at any one of the four locations. And they're New York's largest sales and service Honda dealer. This is a big outfit. They'll put you on... Uh, a bike, and they'll see that you get the insurance, the, the, the license plates, and teach you to ride it, which is kind of important, I think. This is Honda Fleshman and they have one out on uh, Islip, out on, um, let's see, you don't have my addresses here. Yeah, here they are. Long Island Boulevard and Long Beach, Sunrise Highway in West Islip, Sunrise Highway in Bayshore, and on Queens Boulevard, one mile west of the Macy's. Fleshman Honda. Hey, what is this Port Authority? What's the Port Authority up to that it's buying commercials here? And the next thing we're going to... commercials for the Lincoln Tunnel. I mean, you know, it's in a terrible battle with the, with the uh, Queens Midtown Tunnel. It's awful, awful. And, you know, you, of course you realize the Hudson Tube has been sneaking, cutting prices fantastic price war going on for those of you who want to buy the best it's a word from the port of New York Authority 45 years ago this week the port of New York Authority was created by the states of New York and New Jersey and they've been fighting about it ever since one of its jobs is to provide interstate tunnels and bridges to link the port district into a single fantastic economic unit the Port Authority operates six crossings, including the George Washington Bridge, the Lincoln and the Holland Tunnels, and three bridges connecting Staten Island with New Jersey. Now, I don't know what all this is about, but it says the preceding announcement has been paid for by the Port of New York Authority. Now you know where your half dollar's going. All right, let's pay for the Shepherd Show. Now, uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got a guy out there who remembers that? All right, Let's see we've done. Miller, Rover, Honda, Womoth, Port Authority. Oh, and one more thing uh, for the benefit of guys who've been writing in. Please don't write to me and ask me if I can get you a ticket or set up a reservation for you at the limelight. Yeah, a lot of guys think that I operate as the head waiter down there. They think I go down in the mornings, you know, and sweep up. And I make sure that all the hamburgers mixed for the night. You know, and I, I make them a little meatloaf for the early dinner. And uh, I make sure that the uh, maraschino cherries are there for the whiskey sours and all that stuff. No, all I do is go down and do the tap dance there on a Saturday night. I play the kazoo. And I am going to do something very special this Saturday night. Because, as you know, it's the 1st of May. It's very special. So there's a lot of problems down there the 1st of May. And uh, we're we're going to do something which uh, we don't like to announce on the air because you don't want to alert the cops too much in advance. Let them find out themselves. And if anybody calls them, look out. There's always some wise apple that has to call a fuzz. There's always one guy. And we'll be at the limelight from 10.30 until midnight Saturday night. And it's down on 7th Avenue South in the heart of uh, the yeasty district. It's, uh, I mean, uh, well... I don't want to get personal, but it's the village. And you know what the village is like. <laughs> well, it is. It is like that. Well, look, I didn't say anything. It's a village. It's a very nice place. I spent some of the worst years of my life in the village. And oh my, you know, you can't laugh at your own life. You see it going down the drain on 7th Avenue. What are you going to do? i um, mean, you take it for what it is. It's the village. Friendly little place. Yes, indeed. And uh, we'll be down there from 1030. Into, no, this is great. Uh, if, if there's one place, uh, I, think, uh, I think the village has got thousands of little minor imitation villages all over the country. There's always one guy, you know, who comes from Cleveland. And he goes down, he walks around McDougal Street, and he looks in at Sullivan Street. And he sees all the yelling and hollering down on 7th Avenue. And then he goes back to Cleveland and he says, you know what this town needs? I'm going to vi- get the local village franchise here. And he sets up a little village. Of course, it's always second rate. Uh, I, I've always had that feeling of once, just once, I remember going into Old Town in Chicago, which is a very pleasant little old lady village. It's the kind, you know, where little old ladies paint cats on black velvet, that kind of thing. And they're painfully cute with the little petty candy stars and the little uh, peppermint sticks. and. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, there are more Tiffany lamps per square yard in Old Town, in the village. You know, you get that feeling that you're knee-deep in Third Avenue action. Uh, you know, they can, oh, I want to flow up, that kind of thing. I heard one guy the other night holler to another guy. He says, you just stop talking like that. Darn you. Well, I could see violence was breaking out on Third Avenue any minute now. <laughs> I could hear the. I could hear the creak of sandals for blocks. Well, you know, sometimes. And so uh, you pick it up where you can find it later. Oh, do you mean somebody out there remembers? Uh, oh, yeah? Oh, shucks. It's terrible. I'm the only guy that remembers that thing. I, uh, maybe I invented it anyway. You know, speaking of uh, never knowing, you got, my, you got my sinister music in there, please. Okay, get ready there. I'm reading the paper in the barber shop the other day. And you know how it is when you when you look at the paper and you're under a certain strain, there are very few things uh, more vaguely embarrassing than to get your hair cut uh, yeah you know this is this is a male thing <laughs> it's vaguely embarrassing because you know he's doing a rotten job, and there are some guys who are basically unprepared to tell another guy that he's lousing up yeah, you know what I mean, and you say uh go off on the sides and uh I'm uh, shutting a little bit in the back there. And he's, he's uh, usually some kind of a silent. I've, you know this myth about the talkative barber? I, uh, every barber I know is this silent guy who speaks in foreign tongue. And uh, when he does, yeah, you can smell garlic. And he's, uh, he's vaguely angry and bugged. And there is an air about him of uh, scorn, sort of. And you sit down, and the minute he puts this white cloth around, he puts that little piece of paper, you know, that piece of tissue paper around your neck, and then he tightens that cloth around you and squeezes it tight. And you sit there for a long second, and he, he, he moves back at you, and you can just see it going through his mind. Look at those ears. What a, and then, then he looks over at his buddy, you see, in the next chair, Eduardo, and they wink at each other. He says, oh, boy. Look at the pair of clams on this guy. And you're sitting there, and you can feel your ears. You know, the little lights are lighting up on them, and the little stars are lighting up on the top of them. And then he starts to clip. And then you begin to get cool. You sit there, and you're reading the paper. And you got the daily news upside down. They always have a daily news in there, and, and usually there's a little tobacco juice on the racing section. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, the whole scene. And they've got about 17 old comic books. And a lot of these mail magazines with names like Guts, you know, yeah, it, 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 you know there's a stripper on the cover and it's all sequins. You sit there, you're a little embarrassed. You have to sometimes, you know, you get in a place like that, you have to bring in your own National Geographic. Thing. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if anybody gets the National Geographic. Somebody actually does. Try not, Mom. And uh, I wonder if, if, if a guy who gets the National Geographic delivered to his house, does he also have spittoons in his living room and fern plants? I wonder. And a big jar of red Lucky Tiger sitting up there in his bathroom. And I, I'm, I'm sitting in the barbershop the other day, and I'm you know playing it innocent. And this guy comes in there. There's always three or four people who sit in the barbershop on other chairs who look like they belong there very official guys with gray hair how many of you have you seen those guys with the gray hair and they look sort of pink and uh, like people rub them a lot Yeah, they you know they're sitting there very pink and, and he's always tilted back and they're doing something to him there's three or four guys scurrying around and a lady that has tweezers and they're working over this guy and somebody is polishing his ankles you know and someone is rubbing his forehead and they're, they've got They've got lather all over him. And he is a very official type. And you know that he lives in barber shops. And I come in, I sit down there, and I'm looking at the paper. I'm just looking. I'm trying to take my mind off the terrible haircut I'm getting. And knowing once again, I chicken out. You know, every time I go into a haircuttery, every time I go into one of these places, I say to myself, why don't you tell them this time? Why don't you really tell them? Why don't they cut out having fun with you? You're in here for a serious haircut. You're not in here, you know, for a guy just to, you know, I'm not, uh, have, a little, have a little pop camp joke. You know, send this guy out. Let's pretend he's an Indian. Let's send him out with a little tuft sticking out of the top. You now, wouldn't he look funny if I put a stripe down the back or made the little scallops on the back of his head there? That'd be great. Watch Charlie fringe on the sideburns. Watch this one. And so I, I always say to myself, I'm going to tell these guys when I glint. And, of course, I never do. I sit down and cow immediately. He starts getting his stuff. Once in a while, I make a little sound. He'll say, is this all right? What are you going to do when when it isn't all right? He holds up a mirror and he's done a rotten job. What are you going to say? Put it back on? What do you say to You just say, all right. Okay, there it goes again. And it's terrible to look at the back of your head. It is. You ever looked at the back of your head? It's rotten. It's really terrible. It looks like the back of the head of all those other idiots you see in the bus. You know? <laughs> mirror he says how is this how do you like debt okay and then you know i get down and my knee is locked i get down off the barber chair and the worst moment in the barber is when some lady comes in with a little kid and now it isn't the little kid you get bugged at because he's also a fellow victim so you went through that scene when you were a kid but the the mother, and they put this kid down at the end, you know, and Mario is going to take care of him. See, Mario's good with kids. He has a special punch. You know, Mario gets him right under the left ear. He squeezes him with his thumb and paralyzes the kid. And the kid just sits there with his mouth hanging open, with his two eyeballs hanging out. You know, <laughs> I've seen barbers do that, you know. <laughs> and so Mario is sitting there paralyzed, and this old lady now has decided to sit down right at my feet. You know, they have a chair, a camp chair over there by the radiator. And she sits there and watches me get my hair cut. And just watches. I don't know what it is about... Do you ever have that feeling when... when and, and there's a woman, you know, somehow you feel that a woman should be here somehow. And, and she sits there and watches with fantastic fascination. Like it's some, some awful, obscene, sexual rite. That we are undergoing, and she's watching. And I'm going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hello, lady. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How's he doing the sideburns, right yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When do you see him get around to the back of the neck? That's good. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When do you see what he does with the razor? <laughs> and she's watching with fascination. And i'm getting a little embarrassed i'm trying to read the paper and i you know and i'm the only thing i ever notice is down at the bottom of all the big news stories are the little fills and i'm sitting in the barber shop. so help me the other day the lady is watching me the guy is working on my sideburns the kid is three chairs down he's paralyzed i can hear him go up oh, oh. and the guy keeps going wow, wow, wow. he's just running the clippers all over this kid you know he's like mowing a lawn with a thaw lawnmower, he's running all over. And the old lady's watching me, she's fascinated. You know, she likes to look, I guess there are certain men, really there are certain men who attract this kind of thing. And I suspect there are certain women who love to see men suffer. You know, it's just basic, uh, yeah, it's it's basic. Like the other day, I, I'm looking at this ladies' magazine and uh, it's got a title scene. Title, you know, have you ever noticed some of the fantastic articles they have in ladies' magazines? It gives you a little clue to what you get in a barber shop. It says here, here, this is a current one. You know, this is one of the nice lady magazines, the kind they don't buy from the stands, you know. Little old ladies buy it, and they keep they keep it in libraries. Listen to this one. Title, when you want more love than your husband can give. How's that for laying it on the line? Let me tell you, if, if Playboy had one, you know, had an article that says, look, fellas, if you want my... Listen. I'll tell you, they'd have Hefner up for 40 years. Somehow, ladies' magazines can get away with it. Listen to this one. It says, girls, the sensual spring bath. That conjures up some interesting visions, doesn't it? I wonder if it's solo. I don't know. And if it is solo, it makes it even sicker. The sensual spring bath. I presume that that's... what do you mean spring bath? Uh, Do they have them four times a year? What is this? Well, some of the ladies I've known in my past, I'll tell you. But then here's another one. Now listen to this one, fellas, if you want to hear what's happening. Talk about the role reversal. Here's an article called, How a Sports Car Can Bring Your Romance. Remember the old days when they used to sell cars, cars to men implying if they bought this fantastic Thunderbird, they'd make the scene? Remember that? Now, they're selling chicks, you know, Aston Martin DB6s. It says, get with the five on the floor, and you'll get any man on the block. Holy smokes. So this chick is watching me, see? I, I can tell you. you know, she's that kind of chick. She's the kind that reads, you know, these articles about, the, you know, your mail is your best accessory, that kind of chance. And she's watching me get the trim. When all of a sudden, down at the bottom of this column, I'm reading this, uh, you know, just uh, an ordinary piece of, you know, the ordinary kind of news, you know, axe murderer, slays nine in Queens and that kind of stuff. You know, they're just routine news. And I'm reading this news, and down at the bottom is this little filler, you know, the kind of filler that says uh, 14 million barrels of potatoes were grown in Iowa last year. You know that kind of thing? It says Nevada is the only state in the Union that allows a condemned man to choose his own death, shooting or hanging. I thought of that for a minute. I'm sitting there in the chair, and next to me, this guy is getting his head rubbed, and somebody's rubbing his ankles, and the old lady's watching me get my, get my sideburns massacred, and the kid down at the other end of the thing there is going, eh, eh. and I says, let's see, condemned man can choose shooting or hanging. I can see myself now in a cell, you know. And the guy comes down to the warden says, well, Shepard, what will it be? I mean, it's carte blanche. What will it be? You got your choice. Let's see. Now, how about the last dinner? Can you imagine yourself choosing your last dinner? Let's see. Uh, how about uh, some frozen Chinese egg rolls? Uh, let's see. What else do I want? How about a popsicle? Uh, I'm trying to think of all the great stuff I've had. Uh, gee whiz, let me see. da La Do you have any bubble gum? Oh I thought this was my last meal I could get anything. Da 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 How about some pickle dance? What do you mean I had them once in Mexico? It's my last meal. You ain't gonna give a guy a hamburger, are you, on his last meal? And you finish your meal, and then he says, "Okay, Shep, let's see. Tomorrow at eight o'clock, what'll it be? Hanging or shooting? Hanging or shooting?" And then you think of Madame Lafarge. You see, you you have a guillotine around here. Oh, hanging or shooting? I say. Gee, hanging or shooting. Let's see now. Uh, say, Warden, uh, what's the most popular around here? Oh, uh, come see, come sir. Some guys say, uh, you know, it's no accounting for taste. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> hanging or shooting. Let's see. Uh, what kind of guns do you use? Oh, yeah? it's they're kind of big. Oh. I see. <laughs> How about giving me a little time to think it over, huh? You see, I never tried it before. Oh. Well, I'm sitting there in the barber shop, and this fantasy is going through my mind scene and I can see myself in the state of Utah wrongly accused of foul and dastardly murder da, 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 da. and just at that moment I feel this guy's razor it, you know that little moment you just see that little, and you know you got it. he's oops sorry and I see this little red stain and he, he runs around and he's got this little piece of paper and he puts it on. He's, oh it's not so bad here I put a little lucky tiger on it I said, I know. I think I'll take shooting. I think it's shooting. Bring it on there. Give me a little rotten thing. Oh. Well, you see, that's one thing about America. It's a country that allows you freedom of choice. well nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, it's a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you think I'm inventing this? All right, that's right. You just knock over somebody in Utah and find out. They'll give you your choice. All right. <laughs> you know, speaking of, of uh, the sad moments, the, the, the uh, I, I don't think women know that world of the barbershop. Are they fascinated by it? I know one thing. Under certain very embarrassing situations in my life, I have found that women love to watch guys shave. They are fascinated by it. Now, I have all kinds of theories. I don't think any of them are very good. Like all theories, I suppose, I suppose it's one truth, but I have I have seen women time after time fascinated when you're shaving. They watch. Yeah, they really do. Have you noticed that, that now they're even beginning to uh, sort of play like they are shaving? That women can buy things now for their face that squirts out like... Uh, You've seen that, like men, in, and it even goes on with a shaving brush. And there hasn't been a man worthy of the, you know, no, there's no, no man today in civilized society uses a shaving brush anymore. At the, and they, they come to, have you seen that? And women love that thing. That, I suppose, hey, by the way, speaking of the, the wild, sensational work, I missed a movie. Doggone it, I'm bugged. Yeah, you know, I, I, you, how many times have you walked past a marquee, and you see a movie? And uh, you say, I'm going to see that before it goes. And the next thing you know, it's gone. And they've got some Mickey Mouse festival up there or Wayne Morris celebration or something like that. up there. Yeah, I missed it. I promised I, I myself for months to see it. Now it's gone. Doggone it. What? What picture? Oh, Cinderella and the Golden Bra. Yeah, that's a great title so over playing over here. I can see the plot line already, can't you? Cinderella. Now I didn't invent it; it was right there. And don't say Shepard did something wrong. Right. I, you saw it. Of course, it was right up there. I, I, I went to the Lickets right around the corner there. You know, you you can't walk right in a theater like that. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> you ever seen the guys that walk into those theaters? They they have, they have these uh, pants that are sort of light blue. They look like they're made out of pongee, or something. You know, and, and they wear these funny jackets that are a little too short for them. You've seen those guys with the checkered shirts. And they always have these ties, you know. They're not really ties. They're they're those cords that hang down around the neck. With the little chromium thing. The western the Sears Robuck Western idea, you know. And I'm standing around there watching these guys going, John Gun, I want to see that. I can see the plot line though. I go into Licketts. About ten minutes later I go into this phone booth, and of course it's covered, the walls of the phone booth are covered with phone numbers. And fantastic suggestions and all kinds of stuff, you know. Well, course I I prefer to watch the one in the middle. that says if you called mother lately. I like that one. That was must have been written by a real swinger, very hip playwright. And uh and uh of course, there's twenty eight known ways that you can use the word mother. Think a some. Mm-hmm. Yes, like uh it's Mother's Day coming? Mm-hmm. Or uh, Mother McCree. That's good. Or, uh, you can spell it out on a cake. But then there's... Sometimes I hear the guys in the back room use it. But of course, that's another thing. I don't even want to get into that. That's another story. That comes later in the second semester. That, uh... That's only going to be available to the upper one-third of the class. There will be no notes required on tonight's lecture. Uh, the orals will be coming up next week. So, get your knees oiled, Fred. That's uh... I can see the plot line now. Can't you see Cinderella? Cinderella. Fifi La Boom Boom is her name in this movie, see? And uh, the prince comes along. And the... Uh, oh, la, well, uh, you know, it's uh, just a great plot line. I can see Oh uh, Oh, yes. Uh, 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 oh, yeah. You, you want to hear the name of Fred Allen's detective? Oh, uh, everyone remembers it. Uh, don't you remember that? That's yeah, Charlie one
0: We, nobody can do it like Gene Shepard. There you have them, friends, from April 27th, 1966. Tonight's Sounds Like Radio extra special feature. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed it. A vintage episode of Gene Shepard, and we bring it to you out of the goodness of our hearts. Till next time then I am your humble host saying for sounds like radio goodbye for now